Life is full of contradictions. Sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind. You have to make war to achieve peace. You have to surrender in order to be victorious. And in order to get some rest, some quality rest, you need to work hard. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to carve some time out of your busy schedule and maybe even frantically rush around to get everything done in the lead up to when that time arrives when you can finally put everything aside and enjoy a well-earned, sweet, blessed rest. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. It's great to have Pastor Lyle Southwell with us from the uh, New South Wales Hunter region. How are you doing, Lyle? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, Ken. Excellent. Now, I've asked you to come on the show, Lyle, uh, firstly because, I mean, you're with our, our partner, Faith FM, and Signs of the Times Radio does play on Faith FM a, a few times every week. So that's, you know, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, that's always yeah. great. But also because you, you are a, a pastor, you're a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, which means you have a particular interest in the, the Seventh Day, or, or Sabbath, as, mm-hmm. as we call it. And we have this great little article in this month's Signs of the Times called The Sabbath Community by A.J. Swoboda. It's, it's actually a, uh, an extract from a, a book he's, he's written just recently um, called Subversive Sabbath, which is you know, worth checking out if you really do want to you know, get in-depth in, into the issue of Sabbath. But yeah, I just thought it'd be good to have a, a local perspective, an, an Aussie perspective uh, on this. So, Lyle, in this particular article, Swoboda suggests that in our society we have a problem where we... Yeah, so Swoboda quotes um, Robert Putnam from, from his book Bowling Alone, where, where he, he famously says that instead of having friends these days, we watch friends on television, as in, you know, Joey yes. and, and Jennifer Aniston and, and all that. It's, it's a bit 90s, but, you know, we, we get the point, I think. Uh, we, we still have those on DVD, I think, even though it was back in the 90s. But, um, yeah, this is a, a really disturbing part of society today, and it kind of links into something that we've been talking about on, on Faith FM somewhat, where we've been talking about the JOMO movement. So hashtag JOMO is the opposite of hashtag FOMO for those of you who might not be familiar with it. Oh, yeah. So, so FOMO, FOMO yeah. is fear of missing out. I do know that. JOMO, yeah. I haven't come across. And so what it comes down to is that we live in a world where we are more connected digitally than we've ever been before, but less connected socially than ever before. Mm. And uh, there's, there's some interesting research that is um, that, that based around this. If we look at our society right now, Western society, one out of every four people in our society are socially isolated. Yeah, which is incredible. I mean, they they, yeah. they, they say that we've passed the point where more than 50% of the world's population is now living in urban centres. So, so most of us, the majority of us on planet Earth are surrounded by people, but yet we feel lonely. What, what's with that? Yeah, we're, we're watching friends and we're watching our friends. Mm but we're not actually connecting with people. Mm. We, we, we live in a, a highly individualistic society, a very individualistic culture, yeah. and it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. Mm. It's actually, uh, and, and this is where the whole Jono movement has sort of just started to gain ground. There was a lady in Canada who, um, she didn't actually coin the term, mm. but she wrote the book on it. And so there's a whole book out there on Jomo, which is the joy of missing out, the joy of digitally disconnecting so that you can actually connect 
right. with real people because okay. you know, we always we have this we have this FOMO thing happening like oh I've always got to check out advice and see what comments have been made on our status and and, and respond to it and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But we we're not actually having real connections with people. Right. Okay. So you know we had the you know fast food sort of arrived a few decades ago, but then we saw in response to that the slow food movement. You know we said hey you know it's good to take your time over your food food, use full natural ingredients, cook it from scratch, sit down, you know, under under the al fresco terrace with, you know, fairy lights above you with all your good looking friends and, um, and you know, eat eat food to, together in that social setting. So this is a similar idea. Um, yes, absolutely. The, the, so in that setting, you would, uh, would be one of those times when you put all of your phones in the middle of the table and the first person who touches it pays for the meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, because, so, yeah, so, yeah. so the joy of missing out is, is actually, well, you're missing out on what might be happening on social media, for example, but you're actually not missing out on what's happening IRL, as they say, in in real life with those people who are actually in front of you. You're you're making the exactly. effort to connect with them. Yeah, wow. Okay, yeah, exactly. And, and it's one of these things you you talk about sharing a meal together mm. and sharing a meal together. You know, the Bible talks about this. Jesus says, "I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door, I want to come in and share a meal with him." Mm-hmm. It's not because he's hungry. Yeah, it's because he wants to have a relationship. He wants to connect with us. And food is how we connect with other human beings. Wow. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an international language. Food is a language that, you know, anybody can understand anywhere in the world. I've been in places in the world where there are very, very few people that speak English, but when they want to be your friend, the first thing they do is offer you food. They might not be able to speak to you, but they can offer you food. And I've had, you know, I've, I've been in countries where people have literally offered me food on the street because they've seen me as a foreigner. And as a visitor, and they just want to welcome me to the country. And it's an amazing experience. And you feel really, really special. Wow. And, you know, you can go from one end of our world to the other. You can go from one culture to the other. You can go to any region on the earth. When mm. people want to draw close to each other, mm. they do it over food. Wow. And so food is, is, is incredibly important to that. But then we have to ask ourselves this question, how often do we actually sit down and eat a meal together in our home? Mm. Now, you, there's many different kinds of homes out there. You know, some people are, you know, they're, they're, they're flatmates or whatever. Others have families and everything in between. But how often do you actually do that? Yeah. With, you know, without, without a screen being involved, without, you know, all of, the, all of the different things that just bombard us and disconnect us completely. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain power involved in sitting there and eating together, isn't there? Because you, you, it's it's not like you have to eyeball, you know, people and come up with something to save every two seconds. Because you've got the food as a focus, and so you can just quietly sit there and enjoy it, and what and have the conversation sort of, you know, uh, happen around you, or, or but you then have the opportunity to chip in your five cents and to become a part of it. And yeah, it's, it's incredible how people will open up in, in that setting where it's, it's not expected that you, you know, you're going to spill your guts, but there is an opportunity to perhaps get a, a little more personal as well as have some fun. Yeah. And it's the most, it's the most uh, effective way of relieving social anxiety, particularly for people that are worried about, um, you know, meeting other people, being around in the presence of other people, mm. you know, they're dealing with that kind of stress. Just add food to the mix and the social anxiety, you know, just, just wow, wow. It, It's really interesting, you know, when you look at the New Testament, the book of Acts in particular, this issue of, of who was eating together with who was a big deal because, uh, of course, the, uh, the Jewish people in those New Testament times had a very 
firm idea of of what was what made them ceremonially clean or, or unclean, and they felt that people who weren't of of their religion or, or their nation were unclean, and therefore eating with them would make them like the the Jewish people un, unclean. And the, the Christian teaching and Christian practice sort of began to cut across this, and it became an issue even uh, among those early Christians. You know. Like, uh, the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul actually had quite a, um, a heated argument about this, apparently, because, you know, Peter used to eat with the, the Gentiles. And then suddenly, when some sort of more hardcore conservative, you know, Jewish uh, brothers came around, suddenly he stopped doing that. And Paul said, you know, you're such a hypocrite. It's the power of eating together seemed to be a really important thing in, in those early Christian times. Yeah, and this really comes back to the article that you've um, shared on the Sabbath. You know, because um, the author here is really looking at how Jewish people do Sabbath, mm. particularly in the in the city of Jerusalem, and how that you know you've got this buzz on Friday evening. Everybody's getting ready for the Sabbath, and then the sun goes down. This hush falls over the city. And you know, I've been there, and it's actually quite a remarkable thing. It's it's like the only major city that I've been in that sort of comes to a standstill once a week, and it doesn't come to a standstill because obviously there's lots of Gentiles there. Mm. But um, you know, you go to places like the Wailing Wall, and there is so much joy. And mm. there is so much celebration. And you've got all of these Jewish families that are going home to share a meal together. You know, in the United States, they have this great, this, this, this great annual um, celebration that they call Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. sure. Somehow we managed to import, um, uh, what is it, Halloween, Halloween to Australia without importing Thanksgiving. Our Thanksgiving is like <laughs> the, best, the best public holiday ever. But Jewish people, you know, they do that every week on a Friday evening. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what an American family would do once a year they're doing on a weekly basis. And in our society today, where spending time together like this, you know, quality time in each other's company is so rare, this is actually a really powerful thing. And you mentioned the exclusiveness that uh, existed in the time of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, from my experience, you know, in the city of Jerusalem, it's the complete opposite now. They see you there, oh. you're a tourist, and, uh, and they're just like, yeah, welcome. You know, we're having so much fun here. Join our celebration. And, and the next minute, you know, you're celebrating with all of these other uh, Jewish people right there in the city of Jerusalem as the sun goes down as the Sabbath comes in. It's, uh, it's just, uh, if you ever get the, anyone who's uh, listening in on this, if you ever get the privilege to um, to be there, don't don't miss Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. It's just fantastic. Wow, that's that's really incredible because, yeah, I have to admit, I was sort of wondering, you know, that, yes, we have this problem of, of disconnection, but um, I guess I kind of had this perception of, well, Sabbath means kind of withdrawing from the world and going into your house and resting and, and not working. How How is this community? Um but what you're saying is sort of sort of helping me catch a little bit of a glimpse of, of the vision of maybe what that's about, you know, what the idea of Sabbath community means. Yeah, and, and this was highlighted by Moses in uh, the book of Leviticus, and it's re referenced in the article there, Leviticus chapter yeah. 23 and verse 3, where the Bible says that the Sabbath is a holy gathering together. Yeah, a day of sacred assembly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. It's a, it's a time for, you know, for God's people to gather together, to experience community, to, to be in each other's presence. And what an incredibly powerful antidote to the social disconnectedness that we have in our world today. I was actually looking at some material by a fellow by the name of Dr. Ornish on this who um, mm. did some significant research. He says, he says, I'm not aware of any other fact in medicine, Yeah, not diet, not smoking, not exercise, not stress, not genetics, not drugs, not surgery, that has a greater impact on our quality of life, incidence of illness, and the premature and premature death from all causes than social connectedness. Wow! And so this was this was uh, this is a, a book he wrote. You know, uh, love and survival: the scientific basis 
or the healing power of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, one of the one of the um, research researchers, of course, that he looked at was the um, what's called the Rosetto effect. And this took place in the United States. This was a study that was done in, in, in the in the town of Rosetto in the United States that had it had half the level of heart disease of any of the surrounding cities. Oh wow. So they wanted to find out why. Why does it have half the level of heart disease? They found that the lifestyles, you know, what people were actually eating, the amount of exercise that they were getting was about the same. Yeah. So it wasn't a diet issue. What they discovered was that the city of Rosetto was made up of immigrants from southern Italy Mm -hmm. and it was made up of a very tightly knit uh, social networked community. Right. Now, as they studied this over a number of years, they found that, you know, th- these were people that, you know, they spent time in each other's homes, they, you know, they, they intermarried with each other, they connected with, with each other, they worshipped together on a weekly basis, all these kinds of things. What they noticed was that over time, as, you know, multiculturalism took effect and, and, and they blended into the rest of American society, um, over the next 30 years, the heart disease rate caught up to everybody else as the wow. social connectedness disappeared. There's pretty go. powerful stuff on on uh, the power of being socially you know connected and the Sabbath. Mm. It just gives us that opportunity. Yeah. There is nothing more powerful in the world right now than having a day where you disconnect from the world mm. and connect with each other, and more importantly, do you actually connect with God? Because it's often challenging to stay connected with God in the busy lives we live. Oh yeah, yeah, ain't, ain't that the truth? But yeah, in, in regards to the research you cited, it's interesting because in in Swoboda's article, he actually cites some research that showed that in Jewish communities, mortality rates plummet on the Sabbath. Is the yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah? The I found that interesting. I had never, I never knew that yeah. before. So that these people who are just just holding on until Sabbath, just to have that celebration with their family and friends, and and after Sabbath, and they've sort of had that high day, then I guess the you know the mortality rate re- returns to to how it was before. But yeah, it, it says something about the importance of family, mm. and for people who are ill, that uh, you know having family around and it, it, it just gives them something to live for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and you've got these people, they know, okay, the Sabbath's coming, uh, my family's going to turn up, you know, they're busy during the week, they've got, you know, things that they need to take care of, but on the Sabbath, my family's going to be here. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not going to die on that day. And they make a decision not to die on that day, and they don't. Yeah, yeah. It really strikes me, you know, Lyle, that some people say, yeah, I really like the idea of the Sabbath. I can see how we need that in our completely crazy, busy, you know, lifestyles that we have today. But they say, you know what, it actually suits me best to have my Sabbath every Tuesday. So I, I take that time aside to do some reading and to, um, you know, do a rest, rest from my usual work. And someone else says, well, you know, for me, it's Thursday. And for someone else says, well, for me, it's Sunday, you know. But I guess what I'm picking up from what you're saying is that there is a certain power in having this corporate day off. It's not not this individualistic, I need to break this day, it's convenient for me to take a break that day, but it's this family together, community together, faith community together, all worshipping on one you know particular day. That's right. The only way you're ever going to get the benefit from the Sabbath that the Bible promises, and this is the Sabbath blessing. Mm. Or, the, or, or the full uh, benefit, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, the full benefit from mm. it is by... Let's say, and let's say you, you choose to have your Sabbath on Tuesday. Mm. Well, that means that then your whole family is going to have to make the same choice. Mm-hmm. That's not realistic. Then, if you, along with that, then your whole worship community is going to have to make that same choice. And once again, that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. 
And, and, and so then, you know, it really comes down to the weekend. And, and this is where, you know, you've got, uh, you know, as a Seventh-day Adventist, of course, we worship on the Sabbath, the, the Seventh-day Sabbath day. Mm. And it used to be, there used to be a time when um, Christians who worshipped on Sunday would have, you know, a lot of the same sense of community because they would actually take Sunday off as a day of rest and worship. Mm, mm. Well, it's it's interesting to say that because there is a move in Europe, I believe, in particular, and I, and I think a, a recent um, papal encyclical was was a uh, uh, Laudato Si' actually like upheld this idea of you know a, a weekly Sabbath, meaning Sunday, of course, mm-hmm. and and there is a push by by some um, you know Catholic leaders and and Catholic laity to encourage governments to enshrine you know Sabbath within the national law so that the entire community can take a, a you know, arrest. And this is the sort of thing that they're, you know, they're trying to encourage union, you know, trade unions to support governments, to support um, churches and other community groups to support. Can, can you see where, where they're coming from? Absolutely. They're trying to provide for the mental health of their, um, their community and build, uh, and build good society. Mm. And just, you know, my producer here, just returned from uh, a couple of months in Poland and I remember how frustrating it was in Poland because on Sunday everything closed and mm-hmm. like oh let's go and, oh but it's closed oh let's go do this oh but it's closed everything was closed yep, yep. yeah because this is a uh, this is a, a country that's ninety percent Roman Catholic and of course mm-hmm. they've you know they've, they've embraced this well it, it, anecdotally uh, there was a lot of frustration with the average person on the street that oh everything's closed on Sunday but mm. um, as a government they've certainly embraced this concept wholeheartedly. To try and bring back some of this this lost aspect of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I still find that it is far removed from God's in, original intention with the Sabbath. People tend to uh, today just sort of see, well, okay, this is a, I can't go to work this day, so mm. um, they fill the day with something else other than community and worship with God. And it sort of defeats the purpose. Oh, interesting. I, you mentioned, you know, as a Seventh Day Adventist, you you observe Sabbath on Saturday, you know, the, the seventh day of the week. Do you have any concerns about like governments actually upholding a, a particular day? I mean, you know, we've we've agreed that it's good for a community to to rest together, but at what point does that actually become? I guess a, a human rights issue where one religious group, you know, wants to worship on a particular day, and another religious group wants to worship on on another particular day. It becomes a a, a a religious liberty issue when I am now no longer able or allowed to worship on the day that I I and my church community chooses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, if you are uh, you, you know some and some countries have gone down this path and you know could very easily come to us here in Australia our religious liberty here in Australia is actually on a very fragile basis mm. which is why we've got you know Philip Ruddock looking into it at the moment because we actually don't have a legal framework for it <coughs> at at, but, at, a, at a federal level I think I think different states have different levels of of uh, religious freedom protection but uh, but I think you're right yeah. at, at a federal level it's it's uh, a little weak I mean there are things in the constitution of course but um, yeah, it's... which have been reinterpreted a number of times over the years, so they've sort of become a toothless tiger. Mm. But um, yeah, that aside, we, uh, it, it, you know, if somebody if somebody makes a law that you know we're not going to open businesses on Sunday, it's not going to affect me in any way whatsoever at all. Really? Uh, really? Is... I mean, I've I've thought about that because if if for example you are a observant Jew or you are a Seventh Day Adventist who who keeps the Seventh Day Sabbath, you read the commandment that says six days shall you labour. And the seventh day is the is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and you say, well, according to the commandment, I'm supposed to 
work on six days. So if, you know, if I'm going to do some, some work, some carpentry at, at home, or if I'm going to go into my shop on, on a Sunday and, and, and do some work in there, am I going to be prosecuted? I mean, do you, do you think people who are concerned about, about religious freedom and freedom of conscience should uh, oppose the idea of, of standard, you know, sh- tr- trading hours and should we be pushing for open trading hours or, or are there other issues involved? I, I know this gets difficult and political, but what do you think? Sure. Yeah. No, I support open trading hours and freedom for everybody. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is that it's not going to uh, infringe on my religious liberty mm-hmm. if, if, you know, businesses are closed on Sunday. I have every freedom to still work on that day. If the law comes in and says, okay, businesses are closed on Sunday and you aren't allowed to work on that day, you know, if you switch your angle grinder on on Sunday, there's going to be a problem, then that's mm. definitely starting to infringe on my religious liberty. The, 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 cha- the danger that I see is that once you go down this path, because it is legislation that is driven by religion, and this is, this is my issue here, and this is my issue with what's taking place in Poland and other countries like this. This is not being driven by secular governments. This is being driven by the Roman Catholic Church. And mm-hmm. so it's a religious agenda that makes it a religious law. And we should not be legislating people's conscience. The next step, of course, is, okay, businesses have to close on Sunday, but then the next step is enforcing you know, people to actually worship on Saturday, which of course, you know, for Jews, for myself, and for you know some other religious groups, mm. would be a day of worship, or for Friday for Muslims, or whatever it might be. Yep. Then that becomes a major problem because now I'm not able to worship God according to my conscience and according to you know, what the Bible teaches. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Look, f- fair enough. I mean, that that aside. So when when it comes to you and your family, Lyle, I just wanted to sort of get a mental picture of, of what Sabbath means for you and for your family and and for your your religious community. How do how do you practice Sabbath? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a that's a really great question. Of course, my uh, my family's kind of grown up and left home now, and we're living in the individualistic society that we live in today. <laughs> sure, um, particularly in Western countries, we right. don't well, have that well, same level of community that you might have in a Jewish community in Jerusalem. Okay, we'll get um, so, so start off by giving us a picture of perhaps how it was when when your kids were younger and you all you know before they got their pee plates and started sort of zooming all over <laughs> the place. Um, how, how was it then? Yeah, sure. So um, Friday evening, we always had a special meal. Friday evening was our pastry evening. We would always go and either make or buy something, you know, some sweet thing made from you know pastry. And there was no biblical background to that. It was just like, well, we'll just do this once a week and let's do it on Friday. It's yeah, it's, that's it's a great way to, to, it's a to special start the Sabbath. Mm. And it makes it different. You know, yeah. a little little bit of a, a family tradition just makes things different and special. Okay, and so similar to the the article that says, you know, it begins Jerusalem can get a little fr- crazy on a Friday night, and and it, it mentions that Sabbath, you know, does start on Friday night at sunset. That's the same practice that your your family ha- has been observing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we, we observe it according to what the Bible says, um, right there in Leviticus twenty three, about from sundown to sundown. Okay, is the is when the so yes, and and, and so the great thing is that um, with that system, of course, is that you get to relax that whole evening and then you start the next day being Saturday in a relaxed frame of mind. So yeah, Friday evening, family gathers around, we have a different meal, Mm -hmm. uh, something special. We have a different worship. We have family worship, but on a different level. We'd often play, you know, some Bible games, have a bit of family, have have a uh, Bible quiz, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. We would have a, you know, a longer, more extensive worship. Sometimes, you know, if it was, uh, 
So, you know, we might uh, you know, light up the candles or something or other like that, just uh, mm-hmm. as you'll often see actually in a, in a, in a Jewish home. Okay, uh, and 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 in that Jomo sense, the joy of missing out. Are there any aspects of of Sabbath that you decide to? Hey, we we're switching off to this. We're switching off to that. Is, is has that been a part of Sabbath for your family? Oh, absolutely. So the screens would uh, you know definitely switch the screens off mm-hmm. uh, at the start of Sabbath. You know, uh, I, I guess I was a little bit fortunate because the whole screen addiction wasn't as big when my kids were that age as what it is now. Yeah. And, and I definitely think that um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a valuable time to, uh, to switch the screens off and to spend time with each other. Okay. Um, but that's, that's the start of the Sabbath. And then, of course, you know, because it begins at sundown, it gives you an opportunity to have a restful evening, to have a mm. restful night, mm. to actually get a decent night's sleep. Ah, so, yeah, so it went so, from so midnight an, to an, midnight. An early night could be part of the deal, hey? Yeah, because you get that buzz that's happening, like, oh, I've got to get all this stuff done before Sabbath. Mm. And so you have that buzz on Friday, which you get in Jerusalem. If it went from midnight to midnight, that buzz would go up until midnight. Yeah, that that because you've got to get you know it's it's like the it's like the buzz that you get before Christmas. Everything has to get done before Christmas, and all yep. the tradies are just work to the fingernails. Yep. So so, ha- so preparing that special meal and as well, I guess what getting the house clean and and that sort of stuff. Yep. Yep. And so we wouldn't we wouldn't involve ourselves with um, you know sporting events or that kind of entertainment. We wouldn't involve ourselves with you know doing business, going shopping. You know, make sure the car's filled up with fuel, all that kind of stuff, so that when the Sabbath comes, you can actually disconnect. Right. Okay. You can actually do that whole Jomo thing yep. and, uh, and 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 disconnect properly because it's pretty hard to disconnect if you're just doing the same thing as you do you know, any other other day of the week mm, apart mm. from church. Okay. All right. Uh, so so you you do go to church on on Saturday, do you? Yeah. So Saturday morning is uh, is when we go to church at nine thirty, ten o'clock, whatever, whenever um, the church starts. Mm-hmm. And you know that's a time for corporate worship. And one of the things that as a pastor I've really emphasized is that every Sabbath worship should also include food. You food, know, because yes. as we talked earlier about the power of food and the power of community and the power of social connectedness, that's where you get your social connectedness. You don't get your social connectedness sitting on a pew listening to a sermon. Yeah. Yep. Now, of course, the great the, the thing I enjoy most about w- the worship service is actually the small group Bible study that mm-hmm. takes place before the main service. Yep, that's what, you get so much social connection there on a really deeply spiritual level, where you're interacting with the other members. And I find that there, you know, some people will miss that um, that early morning small group Bible study, and as a result of that, I think they're missing out on the best part of the whole day. Okay, and 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 the, and the real spiritual community part of of what's taking place. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, look, I I grew up Seventh Day Adventist, and and for me, a really large, awesome part of Sabbath was that you'd often get invited out to someone's house for lunch, or you would invite people home to your life, so you have a chance to get to know people and 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 make new friends. Has that been part of your practice? Yeah, absolutely. Less so in more recent times. Mm. And so what I've noticed is that that culture has disappeared somewhat, which is a real tragedy. And so what we've done is replace it by having uh, food at church in the hall after the worship service every Sabbath. And I should, I think that should be a non-negotiable for all churches mm. uh, because, you know, that provides for, uh, you know, for that whole time to, you know, to connect mm. on a uh, eating on a together, level. building eating community. Together, yeah. 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 And you'll often find that, you know, three, four o'clock in the afternoon, everybody's still sitting around just, just enjoying each other's company. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. 
That's that sounds awesome. And and is there time for actual like, rest? Actual bit bit of a bit of a sleep there, perhaps uh, after that? You know, the the food coma kicks in. <laughs> well, the Bible does talk about resting according to the commandment, Ken. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if that's what you uh, if that's what you need, I, I, and, and in today's society where people do work long hours, yep, and don't get enough sleep. Pressure, yeah, those those that blue light on screens late at night, it's often wrecks our sleeping patterns, doesn't it? Yep, people really really need a Sabbath, and when you actually take a Sabbath and you keep it, you know, according to what the commandment says, as a day of rest and as a day where you disconnect from the world. Where you know when work things come up, you just don't even go there, mm-hmm. and you've got this on a weekly basis. You know, for the average person out there that doesn't have it, it is just a mind blowing experience to really, really experience the true blessing of the Sabbath. And it's just like, wow! Yeah, and I get this once a week. You know, Every the government week. gives us a, a public holiday, like you know, once a year when Australia Day comes around or whatever it might be, Anzac yeah. Day or some other day. And God's like, you know what? I'm gonna give you a public holiday once a week. Sounds fantastic. Hey, thanks so much, Lila. Really appreciate those those insights. And yeah, thanks for uh, being a part of Signs of the Times Radio this week. Absolute pleasure, Ken. Uh, we always appreciate what you have to uh, share with us, both on Signs of the Times and of course, uh, when you jump on with us on Faith Event. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.